TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Welcome in. Happy to have you with us here Tuesday morning. Okay. I realize that this applies more so to those of us on the Missouri side. And I realize I've complained about this a lot lately. But here we are again with Evergy. To the point that I ask, is this just a big, is this just a big mess and is it not the big mess that it seems like is it possible that they really have their act together yeah uh, and i just don't i don't get it <laughs> it doesn't seem like it okay so where this started was what about a month and a half ago two months ago when they whenever g said okay we're raising we're looking at raising rates because everybody's using a lot more energy but we're going to give you the opportunity to look at several different billing options for you know ramping things down during the high peak hours and then back up during low peak hours and things like that and and so we're going to give you a choice where there were initially three different plans that you yes. could choose from yes and then just about a week and a half ago came news that evergy had reapproached the regulatory commission in the state of missouri and said hey uh we we want to we're getting a lot of really negative feedback about these new rate plans so we want to give people the ability to opt out and which they wouldn't have initially had it was just pick one of these three pick your favorite one uh, we want to give people the ability to opt out and just kind of stay where they were before so would that be okay if we do that and we still haven't even gotten an answer to that yet but now Evergy's back in front of the regulators so it's hard to keep up even um so the latest thing is that um, in a motion for expedited treatment with the Missouri Public Service Commission, they make all the decisions there, they've now requested four changes to the new rate program. Again, keeping in mind, October 1st. Yeah. I got the email this morning from Evergy reminding me, you have not picked a plan yet. Two weeks. Two weeks, Two weeks from weeks. now. Because if you don't pick a plan, they pick one for you. They give you the standard plan or whatever. So they're, we're getting emails that you got to do it. So here's now what they want is changing the default rate to a plan with less time-based variation in prices, reintroducing a flat rate option next May uh -huh. so that you can opt out of the time of use program. Now, keeping in mind, the last time we talked about this was they wanted you to pick a plan and have to stick to it for a year. So that's different. That's May instead of October. Um, this one we knew already, restricting customers' ability to switch between rate plans because they don't want to have to deal with it. They say uh -huh. in order to mitigate adverse revenue impacts, money, 
and revising the amount of money the company needs for education and outreach about the program. So they don't want to have to spend as much to teach us about it. Yeah. I assume. And and to, just to go inside that for just a second, when they say, well, we want to you know mitigate negative re- revenue impacts and blah, blah, blah. Uh, they, they don't want you switching because think about it. If, if they say, OK, we want you to have a rate plan that says between 4 p.m. and 8 p.m., your electric rate, the, the amount of money that you pay per kilowatt hour is going to go way up because those are high peak. You know, that's peak time. So. Uh, if you said, okay, I'll agree to that in October and did that all through the wintertime when you're not using a whole lot more electricity to run your air conditioner between 4 and 8 p.m., and then in spring of next year, you switch and go back to another plan that says, no, you're not going to charge me that huge rate for, for peak time, then it's costing them money because you, you switched early and they're still not going to get the pop on the back end from being able to charge you extra for the air conditioning you're using during the summer. Um, experts say, this is out of the Kansas City Star, experts say to request changes like this 22 days before the program's rollout date is practically unprecedented. Uh-huh. The Star talked to Jeff Mark, the chief economist for Missouri's Office of the Public Council, which um, protects utility customers' interests at the state level. We should talk to them. I have a couple things to say. Um, they said, <laughs> I've never really seen anything like this before. If they pivot here, he says, it's obviously going to cause a lot of confusion in a situation that probably already has a degree of confusion. No joke. Because nobody knows what to expect. (laughs) If they keep going back to the regulators and trying to change what they were doing, then of course there's going to be confusion. Nobody knows what the eventual answer is going to be. And if you've already picked a rate program, sorry, my computer is dying. Um, If you've already picked a rate program, then... Are you shafted now? Do you have to stick to that for a year since they've been going back and changing the rules? Um, so does it have to be October 1st? Uh, so the Missouri Public Service Commission had a hearing on this scheduled for yesterday. For whatever reason, and I'm going to assume because they need more time to sort through all this, uh-huh. now they intend to respond to Evergy's new request during its agenda meeting on Thursday, which is still not very much time. If I, can the Missouri Public Service Commission say to Evergy, you can't do this October 1st? Yeah, let's let's put this off for a while. Yeah. And it sounds like they're going to have to. Yeah. Um, Star said, we don't yet know how commissioners will respond to the request, including whether they will require the company to delay the whole program. You need to put this off a year. Yeah, that seems to indicate that, yes, the regulatory commission does have the ability to tell Evergy, knock it off until you yeah. until you've got it together then don't start threatening people and telling them you have to have an answer to this by October 1st because you're not ready to do it on October 1st. And if I'm the Missouri Public Service Commission, I say to them, you're not going to put in these last-minute requests and then just expect to get them through. Sure. Now, somebody just said the TOU program, Time of Use program, is mandated by the state, by the Missouri Public Service Commission. It was not Evergy's idea. But Evergy's implementation of it is their right. idea. And, and the amount, the rates that they're charging are their idea. And that's, I mean, for, for them to make any changes, they have to get approval by the Missouri Public Service Commission, which is what we're all learning now. That's what this whole back and forth is all about. But, you know, they, they initially came up with a plan. The Missouri Public Service Commission signed off on it. And then they said, uh, yeah, the public hates us a lot right now. So we've decided <laughs> not to do that. Um, can we do something else? And, and they're letting it go until the very last minute. So, yeah, it seems to me I, I'm not a betting man, but if I were, my money would be resting on the Public Service Commission forcing Evergy to put this off for the time being.
Yeah, and somebody just noted something that we haven't talked about yet, um, but that it's not just homes and businesses that they want to raise rates on schools and churches yep. by a lot. You're right. 25% is what I heard, too. Where's that money coming from? Sure. And that's Kansas side. That's not the Missouri yeah. side. But yeah, right. they, I mean, they're they're trying to make money anywhere they can right now. Uh, and obviously, a lot of what's going on on the Kansas side with Evergy has to do with Panasonic. That's a whole nother animal. But just in, in terms of trying to get things normalized to the point what they want i'm I'm assuming i mean money sure Uh, but but what they want probably more than anything is what any business in that position wants which is predictability they want to know what their revenues are going to be like in any given month and right now they don't have that yeah i mean the kansas side has its own problems the kansas public service commission yeah, because it's a whole other thing. They have yet, so keep in mind, Evergy is looking for rate requests, two of them on the Kansas side. One of them was kind of already because of infrastructure, but the other one is because of Panasonic, yep. which Kansas Public Service Commission hasn't even ruled on yet. Sure. So, yeah, it's it's a situation that's very much up in the air, very much in flux, and, and it may turn out, it may turn out, I don't, I don't have any inside knowledge of this, but kind of as, as you were alluding to a minute ago, Jamie, it may turn out that you're better off despite the emails and the phone calls and everything else, not making a decision until you know what the Missouri Public Service Commission says about this. Problem with that is Mm -hmm. they want it done by October 1st. They want your decision by October 1st, and they may not have an answer by then. Too bad, I say. If I'm the state, I say, too bad. You should have had your act together on this better when you... I'm just so irritated. It, It would just be... Like you give us one plan and then you come back a little later. Now you want these changes. Now you have time to think about it again. Now you want these changes. And if if I'm the state, I'm saying we can't properly rule on this with 22 days to go. Yeah. And I have to say, I mean, from a purely business standpoint, and I know what I'm talking about is money coming out of consumers or consumers pockets. So I'm not I'm not saying this is the right thing to do, but I think from a purely business standpoint, Boy, this makes them look bad. If, if well, the public are being mean to us, right. is the reason why you're going back and changing your plan? <laughs> right. Get, get used to the public being mean to you. Nobody likes the electric company. Well, to which I would say to the public, we're our only choice. Too bad. Deal with it. Yeah. Like, what's, what option do we have? Sure. And and like I said, that sounds awful. Uh, and I'm not saying that would be the right thing to do, you know, writ large, right thing to do. But... I mean, at some point, they have to they have to make a decision that's going to stick. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Hopefully, they will put this off for a while. And Evergy says, again, we could write the public service state. We could we could write the PR announcement. We appreciate the great amount of feedback that we have gotten from the public <laughs> since we announced this time of use plan. We've taken your comments seriously, and given the amount of uh, of of things that we need to look at we're going to do you all a favor and wait six months or whatever it is. You're so much better at diplomacy than I am. <laughs> I mean, 100%. But yeah, that is that is the answer. Uh, uh-huh. They're going to have to stick to their guns. So we'll see. I mean, right now they clearly don't want to because they're sick of you being mean to them. But think about what that does. <laughs> see, I mean, think about what that does. Anytime now Evergy talks about any any plan differentiation or any, uh, any rate increase or anything like that, what are they going to get? They're going to get a flood of phone calls from people being mean to them because they know it works well and don't complain about it like you should be ready for that then 
It's confusing. It's been confusing from the start. No one, see, very few people seem to get it. We don't even, people are wondering like, is it Kansas and Missouri side or is it just Missouri side? Yeah. What did you think was going to happen? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm just, uh. it, it, it is the latest mess that we, that, that I'm just, like, do they run, can you stream Missouri Public Service Commission meetings? Is oh. that something that we can watch? And would, not that I would ever care, <laughs> except that this Thursday, I, I would be curious to check in on that. Don't you kind of want to know if there's anybody there who really has his head together? If, if there's anybody there who really seems to know what they're doing, because from this, it just looks like they, they have no idea. Let's throw this against the wall and see if it sticks. No, they don't like that one. All right, let's try this then. Okay, so I'm on the website for the Missouri Public Service Commission. Um, they don't have a new agenda up for Thursday yet. But can you stream this? Um, I can't tell. Uh, the agenda will be live streamed. PSC.mo.gov. What time are these meetings normally? 10, 15 in the morning is when they normally meet. <laughs> right in the middle of the show. Yes. Uh, you're going to have to tape it, I guess, so you can figure out a way to do that. Yeah, we'll, we'll just kind of keep it on in the background and kind of keep an ear on it. So uh, we laugh in all seriousness. It's It just affects a lot of people, and it's it doesn't seem like the right way to do business, but what do we know? So yeah. we'll see what comes out of Thursday. All right, coming up, we ask again, what is art? Uh, there's one artist who thought just a blank canvas would do it. We'll get to that coming up here on KMBZ. All right, we go uh, abroad now for this next story here. I think this is funny because of how clever this artist was <laughs> about the uh, the project he was given. Yeah, up to Denmark and in autumn of 2021, a Danish museum, according to the folks at NPR, opened two large crates to inspect works that it had commissioned from an artist by the name of Jens Hanning. And they were a little surprised with what they found. Um, initially, this artist, uh, he had done a series of, of artworks. I can't call them paintings because there wasn't really any paint involved. But he had done a series of artworks that were dedicated to showing a discrepancy in income throughout the European Union. Effectively telling people, okay, if you live in this country, you make this much. If you live in this country, on average, you make this much. And showing that massive income disparity by taking that amount of money, the annual income from, uh, you know, the average Dane versus the average whatever, and, and affixing that money to a canvas and then putting that up in the museum so that people could see, oh, well, I better move to that country. I'll earn a lot more money mm -hmm. uh, or try to make things more fair. So they were going to have him recreate that artwork and update it for 2023. Um, he, he retitled the artwork and this should have been their tip off <laughs> because he retitled the artwork, take the money and run. So when they opened the crates, they got a little bit of a surprise. Yeah. A couple of blank canvases <laughs> were in there because how do you define art? Uh -huh. uh, $72,000 US is what we're talking about here that he got for this project. And now the museum says, no, 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 that, yeah. that, that's not what we were talking about. We, we want our money back. They called yeah. it a loan, which I thought was interesting. So <laughs> I guess, uh, yeah, the, the original amount of money, uh, they said it was 532,000 Danish krona, which comes out to, I don't know, 50 cents in real money. Mm -hmm. it, but they, they said it was a loan for, you know, to commission the artwork from him. And then I guess any proceeds that came in above that, they would, you know, they would get a cut and he would get most of it or whatever, which is how galleries normally do things like that. But they said because it was a loan and not a payment, 
that they now want their money back because he didn't deliver what he said he was going to, which is a recreation of that money. I'm waiting for him to come back and say, no, that's exactly what I did because nobody's earning any money in this economy. Um, so I would love to know exactly what he was told and what parameters he was given for the project. Yeah. I also wonder what would happen if they displayed them anyway. Because they did. They decided to show the works anyway. Um, and and because they had a good laugh out of it, right? Like that was clever for him to have done. And I wonder if in any way the museum made more money off of it because of the publicity that it got. Now, all you're going to see is a couple of blank canvases. But I bet there are people that went to the museum just to see this piece of artwork called Take the Money and Run. Oh, yeah. And, and there have been things like this. I mean, they mentioned in the article the guy that, that you know, duct taped the banana to the wall for Art right. Basel and all of that. I mean, every so often you'll see something like this come up uh, where somebody will do what looks like a five-year-old with finger paints and sell it for <laughs> eight bazillion dollars. And they tell you, oh, yeah, well, there, there's a reason. I mean, it, it may look like a five-year-old with finger paints, but it really isn't. A trained eye could see the difference. They never actually tell you what the difference is, though. So it comes down to what is something worth, right? Yeah. And it's worth whatever someone is willing to pay for it. Well, you know, why is a house worth what it's worth? Because someone is willing to pay that amount. Yes. So I ask the same thing about art. Art is if someone is willing to see it and willing to pay for it and buy it, that qualifies as art. Sure. And, and, I guess. and if somebody is willing to take one of those blank canvases home and put mm -hmm. it on his wall and then tell the story that goes behind it, okay, this is why there's a blank canvas on my wall, then everybody's happy. And I think with the case that they're making is nobody's going to do that in this case. But I mean, you look at not only the, you know, the banana tape to the wall is one thing, but you remember when uh, there, there was that rare canvas because most of the work that Banksy does, the, the graffiti artist, mm -hmm. is outside and it's on walls. But there are a few canvases out there that are Banksy's. And one of them went up on the auction block about 10 years ago. Uh, and as soon as the final gavel came down, then a remote control device was activated and it shredded the picture. It, mm -hmm. it, it dropped down onto the canvas onto a shredder that was built into the frame and yes. shredded the picture. And it became worth more in the shredded, uh, because it was such a, a, an object of controversy at that point, it actually added value from being shredded to what it had before the, when it was intact. I want to talk about what you said about the story behind it. Yeah. And, and whether art is purely visual, like is it worth the amount of money because of what's on the canvas or is it worth money because of something you don't see? Because that story has to be tell has to be told, has to be told. <laughs> and if not told out loud, it's got to be told in, uh, you know, like a sign that's up next to the art. Well, really, though, then it's the story behind a blank canvas. Are you going to hear a good story? Because you can read about the story sure. online without buying the thing or going to see the thing. And and even the visual aspect of it. I mean, how many people have gone to the Louvre to see the Mona Lisa? That it's, it's their life's dream to go see the Mona Lisa. And they go see the Mona Lisa, and you ask them about it afterwards, and they say, eh, it's smaller than I thought it was going to be. Because it is. It's not very big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. I've said this before, that, like, the Grand Canyon, to me, is just not. I've been to things where, we've talked about this, like, you make a big deal out of a thing, uh -huh. and it's just not as as... Um, exciting or whatever 
as you thought it was. But yeah, I've never seen the Mona Lisa, but people have said that, that it's not as extraordinary as you think. No, and uh, yeah, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're waiting for something to bowl you over, you kind of have to go seek that out for yourself. Right. Um, the, the what's, I can't remember what the painting is. The one that's in Ferris Bueller's Day Off in that museum in Chicago. Oh, yeah. That huge thing on the wall, and, and it shows all three of them standing there staring at it for an hour. Okay, there are people who would walk by that and go, eh, it's all blurry, weird, mm-hmm. and then keep going. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is, it's very much in the eye of the beholder. And then, of course, we've got the, the person on the text line who said, art is just a way for rich people to launder money. Well... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, okay. there's 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 more truth than poetry to that as well. So, yeah, I mean, this is the kind of money that you and I are never going to play with. So, really, I mean, what difference? But for this little museum in Denmark, they're saying, look, we're the ones who are getting shafted out of this. We want to bring people into this museum because that's how we stay alive. And nobody's going to pay money to come in here and see a blank canvas. They can go to the art store and see that. We're up against a break, but I wish I could read the language and read the ruling that came out from the court about why this was not because that's what it comes down to about why this was not the worth the money that they had paid like if he had just taken a pen and run it across would then it have been worth the seventy thousand dollars that he was paid yeah how do you justify he made art right right he made art i guess by turning over a blank canvas All right, uh, we'll take a break here. Coming up next, the things that you say in confession. Go to church, you give confession. Is that protected? Is that private? We'll get to that coming up next here on KMBZ. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on and podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Oh, this next one's interesting. All right, so you go, I don't want to say go to confession. You confess something to someone and you are told that's going to be kept in confidence. What if it's not? Yeah, and this one does deal with clergy, even though, Jamie, as you just intimated, it doesn't necessarily deal with a confessional. Right. There's, you know, this was not something that was done inside a church. This is not something that was done um, under the auspices of confession. However, that's what this lawsuit, and yes, there's a lawsuit at the center of this, is alleging that it technically was. Here's the deal. You have two married members of the Lutheran clergy. Married to each other, man and woman, married to each other. Uh, He's a Lutheran pastor. She is some kind of Lutheran clergy as well. He's cheating on her. And somehow suspicions are going around a little bit. And so he receives a phone call from another member of the clergy. And in that phone call, that member of the clergy, having heard the rumor mill go, asks him straight out, 
are you cheating on your wife? Because if you are, that's a problem. You can't be a member of the clergy and be living in sin like that. That's that's a bad thing. So, uh, you know, and, and the agreement was made that whatever was said during that phone call was going to be kept in strictest confidence. So pastor number one confesses, yes, I'm cheating on my wife. After the phone call, pastor number two decides, I'm going to escalate this and tell the bishop. And that's after keeping in mind the sinner, for lack of a better term. <laughs> Thank you, yes. I, just to keep it quick, the sinner had been assured twice from this person he talked to. It was an ironclad guarantee of absolute confidence. Yes, which he, I think is interesting, even outside of the church. He even referred to it as confessional confidentiality, which right. which is important because even though it doesn't happen in a confessional, that can, that can put it into that same kind of realm. You know, the, okay, I'm talking to a member of the clergy. I was just assured of conf, uh, of confessional confidentiality, so I'm going to believe that. So when Pastor Number Two, the the one who heard the confession elevated this and went and told the bishop. The bishop then called pastor number one, the cheater's wife, and told her. he's Everything. Everything. Told her he's cheating on you, and he told the other guy in confession and, and all of this. And now the, the guy who was doing the cheating is suing over this, saying that they violated his trust, they violated the confessional, and that he had a religious reason to believe that what he told the the pastor over the phone was going to be kept in confidence, and it wasn't. Uh, he was defrocked over yes. what happened. Oh, yeah. And he said that that, that he apparently was on his way up in the church, was moving his way up through the ranks. And, and he couldn't then at that point. And he said that cost him at least one and a half million dollars in future earnings. Lutheran Church pays Which, a lot better than I thought. <laughs> yeah, no Holy kidding. Cow. And, and there's a term they, they uh, there it is. Uh, I was looking for this because I knew it was in here somewhere. The reason why he was defrocked was over uh, Stevens, which is the guy who was the cheater. Undisputed infidelity that constituted what they called clear ecclesiastical ecclesiastical misconduct. Boy, that's hard to say. Wow. Uh, and that no confessional confidentiality applied to the phone conversation. This is the church's stance on this mm -hmm. because they said, uh, according to the church, the bishop had been informed informed of Stephen's apparent indiscretions a week before the phone call. So, because they kind of already knew. Mm -hmm. They're saying that it doesn't count as a confession because they, first of all, they went to him and demanded the information yeah, and that it wasn't confession because they already had a suspicion that he was cheating on his wife. So they're saying, now nah, in that case, it's not covered by confessional anything. So we went ahead and did what we did. We defrocked him and told his wife she, he was cheating on her. We'll get to your calls here in a second. 913-586-67798. To that argument, I say, well, which is it? You got to pick one. Yes. E either you got to tell him that your confession doesn't count because we already knew and you just kind of validated what we already knew. Or you say, despite what you thought, that you were not protected by confidentiality. To which I say, well, he thought he was. He was told he was. So go after the guy that said that to him. Yes, if if you're going to sue anybody, sue him for lying to you and telling you this is under strictest confidence, blah, 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 when you knew all the time what you were going to do, that if he tells you he's cheating on his wife, you're going to go tell the bishop on him. And and look, 
I know this is a much bigger statement to make about this than this story really covers because we're not talking about illegality here. Okay, right. cheating on your wife isn't illegal, right. um, but but we are talking about a lawsuit that stemmed from this. I have long been of the opinion that if you had to today in 2023, if if uh, actual confessional confidentiality in terms of the law didn't exist because it does. You can go to your priest or your rabbi or your whatever and confess to a crime that you've committed and they cannot be compelled to testify against you under the law. Uh, now, the only thing, the only exception to that exception is if you tell them I'm about to go kill. So I just found out my wife was cheating on me and I'm going to go kill him and her. Yeah. And it, it, that they can call the cops because you haven't yet committed the crime. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, they can't testify against you with something that you said in, in confession, which to me, if you had to sell that to the public today, if that didn't exist, you yeah. would never be able to make that case. So I tell you, Jamie, about a crime that I committed. They mm -hmm. can haul you into court and force you to testify against me. But if mm -hmm. I tell a guy wearing different clothes than you are, they can't do that to him? Why? So interesting. It, it right. makes no sense at all. So, we'll, yeah, we'll go to the phones on this if you want to jump in. 913-586-7798. We'll go to Stephen in Kansas City. Hi, Stephen. Hi there, I Stephen, yeah. Sorry, I'm in a lace. Of... <laughs> oh, I'm, that's a, sorry no, about that, Stephen. What's right. on your mind? I called in before. I'm actually a hospital chaplain and have been for 30 plus years. Uh, I had to deal with that early on and come to terms with it. I, I did a clinical rotation into my third year training at Cedar Sinai in Southern California, mm -hmm. and had a gentleman that was 85 years old on his deathbed, kind of thing, and, and talked about what I'd typically gotten to know him, the family, what he missed, et cetera, et cetera, and especially his oldest son that had just vanished out of his life years ago. Sometimes when medication kicks in, people tend to talk more, and he effectively confessed to murdering his oldest son. Wow. And, and, wow. and during the body in the desert, when they went on a road trip several, several decades ago out into the Mojave Desert, and even indicated exact locations kind of things, I, at the time, didn't know what to do. I called a rabbi friend that I really entrusted for his wisdom, and he said, uh, you know, much what you alluded to, he hasn't said he's going to do anything, but he said, let the man pass. Just let him pass. He can't have much longer, but you probably should go to the police. And, and, and that's what I did. I, I don't know to this day if I did the right thing or the wrong thing. I didn't want to embarrass the family at the time or anything else. And, and there was so few of them there, but it weighed on me. And, and I took the advice of this rabbi. Uh, so uh, it, was there, was there something, cause I know you must've spent a lot of time weighing this in your mind. Was there something that tipped the scales for you to go ahead and make that phone call? He, uh, the way he described it, it was very vengeful. It was, you know, this hatred that, it's like he, it, it just like a switch went on because he seemed like such a pleasant man and, and nobody was visiting him. I couldn't get any family to come, even though they lived very close. And it was just this whole dark thing. And it, it really it, it bore on me. And, and I got the advice from a priest. Well, he hasn't confessed to he, he, he hasn't said he's going to murder the doctor that's going to come in in a minute or anything. Mm -hmm. So this is a confidentiality of the of the confession. But. 
uh, I, I tipped my head more, tipped my my way more towards the rabbi because I just couldn't I couldn't consciously know that this man just confessed to murdering his son, and 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 the body's out there, you know, and 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 this it had happened, and so that that's what I did. I waited until he passed, and then quietly went to the San Bernardino County Sheriff. And, this is what I know. And, and sure enough, they said a week later, after digging almost in precise locations, because he gave a certain, I think it was a tree or something odd that was like this weird location. And they found they found the bones. Wow. Wow. Uh, well, yeah. I, I, I will tell you, and I know, I mean, for whatever this is worth, Stephen, I'd have done the same thing. And I think you did yeah. the right thing. Yeah, I, I couldn't. Uh, you know, my wife is in the medical field she said no this this will haunt you you've got to do something but yeah. she said the same thing she said let the man pass let him have peace he's unloaded this on you i didn't say anything to him about oh you know i tried to not act shocked and didn't say well i'm going right to the police right now but sure you know let him pass in peace but yeah mm-hmm. um, so i i think what you're saying is sometimes if they say they're going to harm themselves they're going to cause harm and sometimes if they fess up to something really serious, then it's on you. All right. Hey, Stephen, yeah. I appreciate the call. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, I, I don't, like I said before, I don't understand. I, I understand the history of it and why that exception exists, uh, you know, mm-hmm. constitutionally with the separation of church and state and all of that. But I, I have a real problem thinking that that is anything other than a salve for somebody who did something wrong. And, and I don't think we ought to do that. Yeah, it's I'm asking bigger questions about this about because I get that we're it's different when you're working within the church structure and 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 maybe they can do what they want. But I just think all this guy wanted to do was talk about something that was deeply painful to him. And he was told, yes, I will keep your secret. And instead, essentially, his boss finds out and tattles to his wife. I, I just ask. You know, because people on the text line are saying, you know, well, if you don't want someone to know, don't share your secret. But sometimes you need support. I mean, sometimes you you need counsel and you should be able to go for someone for that. You can, but you have to pay for what you did, too. Right. So interesting. 913-586-7798. If you want in here, we'll wrap the hour next on KMBZ. It's kind of a long one to lay out but you have a Lutheran clergyman clergyman who was cheating on his wife, who was also a clergy in the church. So he goes to someone else in the church and says, I I need to confess a sin, not in confession, but just I need to kind of bear my soul. And that person swears, yes, I'll keep your confidence, no worry. Okay, instead, that person goes to the bishop who claims he already knew and then the sinner ends up being defrocked. Now he's filed a lawsuit saying, you cost me one and a half million dollars because I was going to rise up through the church. And you told me this was in strictest confidence. I believed you, dumb me, but you lied to me and therefore you owe me the money. We'll go back to the phones and bring in Julia in Pleasant Hill. Hi, Julia. Hi, how's it going? Going well. What do you think? Well, I'm with the guy, so he said it in confidentiality to this person. To me, it's the same thing as speaking to your therapist. You have established that trust. You have established that this is all in confidence. Um, you know, like a therapist, they're a mandated, mandated reporter. So if they say or you state you're going to hurt somebody or yourself, then at that point, they obviously need to do their job and report. Yes. 
and I feel like it should have been the same way, whether it's the church or not. Like he didn't, he's not hurting anybody besides himself. He's an idiot, but he didn't hurt himself. <laughs> and maybe he but was not against guidance. the law. Yeah. Right. He was needing that guidance. Just like when you go to therapy, you know, you're bearing your soul to this person, trusting them with everything to look for guidance on how to handle your situations. If I went to my therapist and I told him I was cheating on my husband and my therapist knew that my husband was my emergency contact and called my husband and told him it would be World War Three. I'm, you know, I mean, or, sure, I'm doing something wrong, but I, I told you in confidence, help me figure this out. I'm bearing my soul to you, not turn around and go tattle on me. Like that had nothing to do with anybody getting hurt physically. Or like the analogy I have to that is if you and your husband were like in couples counseling, but you see this, the therapist separately, which often happens, the therapist has you in a room and then tells your husband everything that you said, which is not how it's supposed to go. Right. It, it shouldn't. And I mean, I, I just, you know, if the other priest guy or whoever would have said, you know, like, we need to, you know, we need to chat about this, this is how we need to go about things, or, you know, this is what I think you should do, that would have been different than turning around and ratting them out and causing all this chaos. I've got to admit, I mean, Julie, I, I, I know what you're saying. You know, under the law is absolutely accurate. So I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you on that standpoint. But I have a lot of trouble giving co cover to people who do the wrong thing. I mean, if you went to your therapist knowing if I tell my therapist I'm cheating on my husband, he might tell my husband. Wouldn't that be more impetus not to cheat on your husband? Well, right. I'm not saying I'm not agreeing with what he did. I'm oh, just yeah, saying, yeah. No, like, I know. You, you have those those like that, comp that sense of confidentiality and it shouldn't have been broke in that sense. OK, um, I I don't know. I mean, the guy's a total idiot, but I also <laughs> feel for him on that because maybe he was just so upside down and everything that he went to that person in complete trust thinking, help me fix myself because I'm an idiot. And then that person flipped the table and ruined everything. Like, okay. I mean, people make mistakes, but I feel like that shouldn't have been broken. Like if a therapist were to do that, I mean, that's technically breaking some type of law, like your HIPAA or whatever. Yeah. And I feel like that should have been kind of held to the same standard. Gotcha. All right, Julia, thank you. Um, yeah, that, that really is my struggle with it. it whether it's doctor-patient confidentiality or therapist-patient or uh, clergy and, and parishioner, whatever it is, that's always my hang-up with that is that, okay, you're telling me, well, if if uh, if we don't allow for that kind of confidentiality, people aren't going to go to go conf confess to their priests. Okay, why should he get that kind of, uh, you know, why, why should he get that kind of, of balm or salve on his own feelings when he was the one who started all this? The person that had the affair, you mean? Yeah. Um, to me, where that gets tricky a little bit, having spent a lot of time in therapy over the years, is that um, right and wrong, there's a gray area to that sometimes. Sometimes there's more to it. And it's not your therapist's job to judge right or wrong and get to decide what someone else gets to know or not, unless you are hurting yourself or someone else. Otherwise, they're not there to judge whether something is wrong or right. Um, and, and I sort of feel like that's not for anyone to judge. So, But there's, there's cover for some people and not others, though. That's what I'm talking about. That that confidentiality uh, exists with a doctor or a therapist. It doesn't exist with your best friend. If you confess to your best friend and your best friends hold into court, they have to say what you said. I know. And, and I hate that because I come back to who you should if you don't have a therapist or you don't you should be able to trust when you again, because it wasn't against the law.
I talk to my friends yeah. all the time about, you know, you should be able to trust them when they say, I won't tell anyone. Right. And this is a different case because, like you said, it, there was no law broken here. Right. But there was clearly confidence broken by him before the confidence was broken against him. Um, let's go to Stephen and Olathe and see what he thinks. Hey, Stephen, welcome hey. in. Taking my call. So you guys give two different variations of the story. The first, first one was that his boss came to him in a phone call. They did. And yeah. He was interrogating him. Interrogating yes. him. I don't think we used that word, they but okay. Knew, so that it was a it was an interrogation. The second story that I heard was that the sinner he went to him in confessional. But both are true. And the second version I just left out true. a little bit because if, I was trying to get it done quickly. If the boss, if the boss, if the boss came to him and was asking him questions, that's an interrogation. They already knew about it. They were trying to get answers to but, it. But the agreement and was still made that it was. If he a confession, if he had a true, a true mind of, oh, I want to confess my sins, and he went to a confessional or he went to that person in confidence, then that's a different story. But if, if his boss was like, oh, you know what, anything that you say to me, just tell me the truth, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's just an interrogation. That's just interrogation tactics. Okay. All right. We'll leave it at that. Stephen, thank you very much for the call. We got to run for the top of the hour. All right. Coming up next, um, we got to talk about the story out of Clinton, where you have a grandfather accused of shooting his grandson. We'll get into this one coming up here on KMBZ. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A left 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 